0: Hi Nick, um, it's great to have you uh, with us and I was just wondering if you could do us a brief introduction to who you are and uh, what your background is.
1: Sure. Hi. Uh, So, my name is Nick Creed. I'm uh, Director of the Academy at TRL, and that's the the kind of branch of TRL that is responsible for coordinating innovation and science science across the business. Um, But my background is in psychology, and I joined TRL 12 years ago to study driver behavior and driving performance. And in that, I did a lot of work looking at things like uh, driver distraction, uh, things like the effects of alcohol and fatigue on driving performance. Mm. And in 2010, Google announced they were working on their self-driving car. and suddenly you think, okay, this is this is real now, this is serious and, and it's something that addresses all those topics I've been working on um, would enable people to uh, you know be distracted, use their mobile phones when driving, um, and potentially save a lot of lives. so, I began pushing for that as an area of research within TRL, and uh, that's led to us um, wearing various projects to to look at automated vehicles in the UK.
0: Yep, and um, I know I had a little look on the the TRL um, LinkedIn and other pages and I was just wondering, um, there's some great stuff on there like blue sky thinking and um, kind of more experimental stuff and a, a paper that you've written in automotive ergonomics. I was just wondering if you could go through a little bit of kind of your work there to date and um, what kind of blue sky thinking happens uh, within TRL and um, obviously stuff that you can talk about
1: yeah sure so TRL general business is um, project-based so we have to bid for projects and, and win them some of them are from the government some are from the private sector but we also have um, a, a reinvestment fund which is where we take some of the profits that TRL makes and and um, set, set out a call to our staff to do um, these independent blue skies type uh, projects where we don't think there'd be a, a, a customer for them uh, as it stands but if we do some research and um, um, kind of prep the ground uh, for, for it we can uh, position ourselves to win work in those areas in the future and we've done work around things like uh, wireless power transfer so um, that roads could charge vehicles while they're on the move um, electric vehicles uh, we're doing some work at the moment on um, Oculus Rift and the use of Oculus Rift for um, visualizing uh, collision scenes. Um, done work using our, our driving simulators, uh, trying to understand uh, driver safety issues. Um, so it's a, it's a real broad range of um, topics that we uh, study in that program. And um, it's, it's my um, privilege, really, to, to work on dis- deciding who gets funded through that
0: program. Yeah, I mean that sounds fantastic. You've got like um, virtual reality kind of simulation there, um, and, and research which then gets applied presumably to um, whoever the client is at the time—governments or, or companies.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's uh, about a third of our um, revenue is, is from public sector, a third is private sector, and a third is international. So um, yeah, it's not just UK, but also about applying the things we've learned in uh, in other nations.
0: Yep. Yeah. So you, I mean, you had a, um, a reveal today. There's a couple of things that have happened this this week in um, in, the, in the AI news. Effectively, um, one big uh, news article this week was uh, Marvin Minsky. Um, mm. um, so he passed away unfortunately this week, uh, and he was the the godfather, if you like, of artificial intelligence. Um, he was working at MIT for much of his life, and uh, even coined the name artificial intelligence, I think, um, and, and was an early adopter of, of neuronets and, and uh, machine learning um, and automator and things like that. And also this week we had, did you, did you hear about the um, AlphaGo program with Google as well? Have you yeah. got any comments about the, the, the ancient game of Go at all? There?
1: <laughs> Nick? I'm, I'm not a Go player myself. Um, But, you know, that gradually these challenges that are being posed of artificial intelligence are being um, overcome. So, um, you know, having enormous data sets and the computing power and and processing power to to analyze enormous data sets um, is enabling neural network and uh, machine learning algorithms to become Um, more and more successful, so Facebook and uh, facial recognition programs, those kind of things are just getting incredibly powerful. Um, Speech recognition is becoming um, ever more naturalistic in in the way it works. So having these enormous data sets and the processing power and and storage of them means we can start to overcome some of the um, more challenging tasks for AI, and one of those things is, is of course, driving.
0: Yeah, sure. Is it it something, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this, in a little while, but um, is, is that kind of neural network research something that you are familiar with and that you use within uh, TRL?
1: Um, a, a little, a little. We've done some stuff on um, lane-changing behavior and, uh, and neural networks deciding when it might be safe to overtake, Yep. so that's, that, that was quite interesting. But from my own um, personal research, uh, when I was doing my uh, postdoc back at Oxford, I was looking at how people um, move to catch balls, right, so if you see a projectile trajectory, mm-hmm. how do you know where to run and what speed and what direction to get there at the right time? And, and we looked at using um, uh, genetic algorithms to, to create a, a neural network that could solve that problem in a way a human does, yeah, and, uh, and, and yeah, because I covered some of it in that, uh, in that postdoc.
0: And, and what's a, a genetic algorithm, just in case people don't know?
1: Uh, so, a uh, genetic algorithm is one where it uh, is modified and mutated over several, uh, over you know, thousands of generations to produce an, an optimized network that has, gives you the best performance. And uh, yeah, they've shown lots of promise in, uh, in being able to solve uh, complex problems.
0: Yeah. So, it's, it's kind of like an, an evolutionary effect that's um, kind of influenced. And it's called genetic algorithms because it's influenced by that uh, natural evolutionary thing that we all have right processes yes exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. um just to backtrack quickly um the, the go the google alpha go was uh, so go was a um a game which has yet to be uh, beaten by a computer uh, unlike chess and checkers and lots of crosses and all these other games uh, which are now um the champions of the world effectively computer programs um, so AlphaGo beats the European champion this week, which is a program by Google, and that's kind of the first big uh, Go champion who has been beaten by a program with no restrictions, um, so playing a normal game of Go. Um, so our, our next questions are really based on, um, I mean, this is uh, a podcast about machines and ethics, really. So have you heard of this term machine ethics, and, and what does that term kind of mean to you? And then also, is it something that TRL or organizations that you've seen are thinking about?
1: As a term, you know, I think about ethics as a whole, you know, Mm -hmm. defining what is uh, right and wrong and and lots of different ways to define that, whether it's according to rules or produces the best outcomes or um, behaving in a virtuous manner. Um, And... For, for, a, for a number of years now it, it's it's been part of what we think about in, in automated vehicles because of um, the trolley problem which is, is something I'm sure many people have heard of uh, the the trolley problem um, first uh, described in the 60s I think uh, where a trolley um, car a tram or something we'd call it is heading down the tracks, someone is tied to the tracks and you can, uh, sorry, five people are tied to the tracks Yep. and the trolley will kill those five people unless you pull the lever and uh, change the points causing the, the trolley to, to go down an alternative path where there's only one person tied to the tracks. Yep. So uh, the, the, the philosophical question in that is would you pull the lever to change the, the points? The person who gets killed would have been otherwise unharmed but you're saving five lives, and, and it's about thinking about the, the balance of, of producing what what is the best outcome. So the, the parallel to that for automated vehicles is the situation where uh, a collision is unavoidable. Uh, should you swerve to avoid the collision, which might result in harm to the vehicle occupants or produce a worse outcome, should you swerve to um, hit the a push chair or should you swerve to hit uh, an 85-year-old um, uh, pedestrian. Yeah. So uh, a lot of these um, kind of hypothetical situations are uh, uh, considered um, and I th- I think it's um, if it's very interesting but not necessarily most helpful in, in helping us um, get towards um, having automated vehicles out on the roads, and there are some important reasons why I think that's the case.
0: So, um, given this trolley problem and things, so you're saying that your systems kind of already have an appreciation for there is going to be a collision, is unavoidable, and you mentioned that you might collide with other um, objects or people or actors. Um, so, does do your systems already know what a pushchair looks like? Know what a like a cat looks like or what a human being looks like at all? Uh,
1: they will have to. I can't okay. say that they do currently. Okay. They so, will have to. So um, we're working on these
0: automated vehicles, which currently don't know what cats are or what humans are.
1: It certainly know what humans are, and they have okay. to have that predictive capability but but being able to distinguish between a cat and a plastic bag that flies across the road is is a difficult challenge for um for computer vision
0: yeah is that something uh, that um is, is is being i mean because we've got um google cars we've got a lot of um car manufacturers uh, trying to get involved like the tesla for example getting involved with um more automated um car driving whether it's uh, automated parking or uh, fully automated vehicles um, which obviously haven't been given granted um, licenses yet, do you think that um, we're still a long way from this sort of um, uh, ideal of, of the systems knowing exactly who we are and, and what they're crashing into, for example, because we make these, I mean, the trolley problem is, is a wonderful model and we can see everything within that model or simulation even. Um, In practice, it's a lot more difficult. Do you you see these things being way off or, you know, at the pace of things at the moment, they are going to be next year, two years' time? Um, Will we be able to distinguish between a cat or a human being, for example? (laughs) So, um... (laughs)
1: It's one of those where it feels like it could be a long way away, but things are progressing very rapidly. So, you know, sudden breakthroughs. You don't know what, what might happen in a year, two years' time. I was at um, the CES show in Las Vegas mm-hmm. uh, in January, and uh, you had NVIDIA on there, and they had a um, a, a chipset there. A, a chipset dedicated to um, automated driving, and it's uh, – about the size of a small book i'd say and it has the power of 150 mac pros and um, and it's dedicated to taking in feeds from vehicle sensors mm-hmm. and interpreting them running these machine learning algorithms to detect you know speed limit signs pedestrians other vehicles um road uh, road markings um and and combine all that information and, and give the vehicle and understanding of, of what it needs to do to, to proceed safely and that, that's running 10 times faster than the, the chipset they showed uh, in 2015 so those things are just um, progressing very very rapidly lots of companies are working on them so yeah it, it's a difficult challenge but mm-hmm. there's, there's definite progress being made and, and who knows what breakthroughs we'll see
0: so, so you, yeah, I mean that sounds fantastic. Um, I wasn't at CES this year. The um, what's the acronym stand for again? The Consumer Electronics sure. Show. Show. Sure. Show. Yeah. Um, which happens every year in Las Las Vegas. Um, you alluded to earlier that you're you're thinking about um, the impl- implications of a decision. So is there any hard and fast kind of ethical frameworks that you're using to say whether it's more or less? advantageous to make a decision in, in, in any direction. Say I, I needed to swerve left or right, how would you make that decision?
1: Uh, so it's about minimizing harm. Minimizing uh, think,
0: harm.
1: Yeah, I think yep. that's the um, that's the, 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 the simplest way to frame it. Um, However, yes. that, that <laughs> phrase in itself it has a, uh, do, do, do I mean minimize harm for the occupant? Do I mean min, minimize overall harm? Do I minimize harm to the network? So if I have one type of crash, it means the road gets blocked for 10 hours, and uh, if not, it's one hour. You know, lots of different ways of, of framing the problem. I think what we, what we will certainly have is in, in the um, event of any kind of collision or incident, you'll have a huge amount of data that is recorded um, about what has happened Um, and you'll be able to understand did the vehicle behave in the way that was expected did it do what you you thought it would do and did it behave in a way that was the the optimal choice and um, you you might have panels that have to decide if if it was the optimal choice Mm -hmm. Um, and once that's been determined that means we you know, that that um, decision feeds into the next generation of um, algorithms that guide these vehicles, yeah. and those can be uploaded um, yeah, over through over-the-air updates into all existing vehicles that are running the right software. So, all vehicles suddenly learn from the behaviour of others, um, which I think will mean we see progress very very quickly towards a kind of. Op- a more state of, of driving by automated vehicles.
0: Do you think, I mean, uh, that is uh, a, a massive issue for me, um, being as that there is these different companies. Do you think, um, has there been many of these companies reaching out and saying, yes, we need to share information, we need to feed back our um, our data that we, we take on the road, on, on in practice, and feed it back to not just our own cars. And, um, systems and algorithms, but also to others to help them as well. Because obviously, there's not a there's not currently a monopoly on automated cars. But, um, there's lots of different companies, and all their algorithms might be slightly different, producing different sorts of reactions. Um, do you do you know anything about that?
1: Nick? Uh, yeah, no, I'm not sure. I, I have seen um, anyone making data, shared data, data available, um, freely available and shared. Um, I could imagine it happening, you know, things like um, Google releasing the, the TensorFlow um, machine learning algorithms for, for use by um, any users or registered users. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there, there's, there's value in the data, right? So um, Facebook and the, the facial recognition algorithms, they uh, they, they probably protect that. Um, for themselves um, and until they're well ahead they probably wouldn't release that to be uh, used by anyone else so um, I think you know, government funded studies there there's a there's more of a um, incentive or more a um, uh, desire for the, 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 the data to be shared but um, private companies doing it I haven't really seen much uh, much of that to date
0: yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think I could talk about that subject um, for a while, but we'll move on. Um, to, um, so, we have this term kind of artificial intelligence, um, and for me that's kind of a broad term, right? Um, so, it can be related to things like Siri and um, voice recognition um, or things which are uh, part of the uh, automated cars um, systems. Uh, all the way right up to kind of sentient, artificial beings, almost. When you talk about artificial intelligence, do you talk about it in a certain way? And and do you think um, there's a better phrase that we should be using for this particular epoch that we're living in, or this um, scientific epoch?
1: To be honest, I'm I'm quite relaxed about it. I think any... um, system that is is taking in information and making decisions you know it counts as some form of intelligence um that that scales up to you know what we might think of as humanoid type decisions uh, driving being an example um it's it seems to me that that's all on the same spectrum
0: yeah so this kind of vast artificial intelligence spectrum yes of different variants. um Okay, so, I mean, what are the the other interesting um, pieces of research that you've seen at the moment um, in progressing AI? Obviously, we talked about AlphaGo um, a little bit earlier and a little bit about how your um, research makes decisions. Is there anything else that um, is um, available or, um, I mean, behind the guards with Google and Facebook, which... Um, is really interesting doing things differently
1: so so something i I saw um last week uh that was fascinating and slightly troubling was um ai algorithms for writing political speeches right so it would tailor a, a, a political speech to um be, be more appealing to different types of demographic um, audience, different demographics of audience.. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember the the authors offhand, but I could find them out. Um, but yeah, that was uh, yeah, it, very interesting. and you start to think, um, you know, never mind the ethics of automated driving, the ethics about um, having uh, powerful AI systems that could uh, lead to um, political leaders having more persuasive arguments um for the population. Uh, it could get get down to some uh, quite difficult um, difficult territory about uh, the the power of AI in that uh, in that instance.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you obviously want to hear the politicians talking, if not for themselves, for from their party, you know, for things that they believe in, and not necessarily um, tailored writing, um, specifically aimed and targeted. It's almost getting into that kind of advertising realm of um, getting the right advert in front of the right person, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, oh, I mean, maybe. I suppose if if you take a step back, you could say, well, whoever pays the best speech writers probably has a similar sure. capability today. But it, it, it's it's about, I guess, about taking that to, to even even greater levels and and probably creating a bigger separation between the haves and the have-nots yeah. in terms of AI.
0: I mean, I've got a, uh, an, an argument that I use at this point, uh, which is gen- generally um, not necessarily everything that can be automated, should be automated. And almost everything can be automated to a certain uh, more or less extent. Um, and maybe not everything should be, and that's kind of part of the ethical argument, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: for, for driving, for, for me personally, it's that uh, collisions on the road, 95% of them, have human error as a contributory factor. Yeah. So yeah, with, with automation, we're trying to address um, that risk factor in, in collisions. That's not to say we remove human error from the system because there could be error in the coding, there could be error in the de- design of the vehicles or, or operation of the vehicles. Um, but, uh, yeah, it stops the drunk drivers and the distracted drivers from, from doing stupid things.
0: Yeah, so I can quite happily get into a car completely plastered um, after you know my Christmas party and get in my automated car and drive home Without any knowledge of even how I got home, by the end of it, I'm sure, and uh, with no incident, that's the that's the ideal, right?
1: Be, be driven home rather than drive home, but yes, yeah, I, t- I take your point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think I mean I think um, every time I get into a car, you're almost giving us this a certain amount of agency. You're giving the driver. So when I, I think I find a parallel with getting into a, a taxi. So when I get into a taxi, I'm giving certain amount of my, um, agency over my life to the taxi driver to drive me safely, but also, you know, knowing the remit of driving and other people on the road, um, as well. Um, and I guess when you get into a car with a automated, um, driver, almost a automated system, you're kind of doing a similar thing, um, where you're giving agency over your own kind of, um, environment to that system. And, and... Hopefully, we'll see that those systems work remarkably better than our own uh, taxi drivers or just our own driving. And then they'll become more acceptable, I guess, um, in the ideology, the kind of social... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily see all the um, top gear watches and, and people like that, um, you know, give up their cars tomorrow and say that the, um, the machines the algorithms are better at driving than they are, um, do you think there's going to be this kind of um, social backlash against um, automated driving because people like driving or feel like they're having a lot of that agency taken away from them? There,
1: I think there might be a, a little bit of that. And, and that, that you know, taking away of agency, you know, we already have that with autopilot. Systems uh, mm. for aircraft. You know, we we um, you know, happily accept that autopilot is is managing most of a, uh, of a flight for us. Um, but that that thing about kind of drivers who, who are um, invested in in that as a as a as a pastime as a as a an activity they enjoy yeah. doing,
0: like a, a social um, activity or a um, hobby.
1: Yeah, and I think. No one is saying that that would uh, be taken away from people certainly not for the next 50 years or something but uh, but for, for the most part certainly in urban areas driving is is quite mundane and, and, and boring and and um, you know has has quite high cognitive workload you know, it's it's a pretty difficult task you have got cyclists to think about you've got pedestrians you've got trucks buses Um Lots of things going on that you need to, uh, to be aware of in, in making a, an A to B journey and I think people would be happy to uh, allow systems to do that for them, especially when you know the, all the, the business models say that um, a shared automated vehicle would cost about a third that of, uh, of a private um, individually owned vehicle per mile. So, yeah. um, Lots of benefits to that and you know, for those who really want to go and do driving, as a, as a um, you know as a, as a hobby then a bit like horse riding today you could go somewhere and, and do it properly at a, a racing track or something and, and really get um, the full enjoyment from it and then be taken home in your automated car
0: yeah I mean I'm definitely in that camp I don't necessarily enjoy driving but when I do I think you want to go fast and I'd like to go in a fast car around a track and, and not uh, necessarily uh, have to worry about hitting into anything That'll be um, a much better arrangement. Um, so I've got a couple more questions for you. If you've got time for us, Nick. Yeah, yeah, um, brilliant. Um, so I think um, the the last two questions um, are quite difficult ones, unfortunately. And um, one is to do with neural nets. Um, so we've got these these networks of tiny little Programs that do things, and you feed it in- information, and you get some in- you get answers out the other end, and you don't necessarily know how these networks are you know connected together. And then leading on from that, I guess in a way, is uh, people's um, kind of concern with AI and the way it's taking us, and Stephen Hawking and other eminent uh, scientists and, and leaders like. Um, Elon Musk, for example, um, they've all signed these um, um, anti-artificial intelligence within arms um, agreements um, that they hope that the uh, politicians will take up as well as as just warning against uh, strong AI. Um, So I guess everyone's looking to neural nets at the moment and and seeing that as the big thing in artificial intelligence uh, as far as I can see. Do you think this I mean what is a neural network um, if you could quickly explain it to our listeners and um, like I just explained what are the problems i guess inherent in using those networks
1: okay so uh, a neural network is um a, a set of, of of algorithms that are based on um the, the way the brain works so uh, where um brain neurons uh, collate, the, um, the the outputs of neurons are collated um, at synapse and, uh, and uh, the synapse either chooses to uh, fire uh, and send off another signal or not based on the, the collection of inputs that it receives. So a, a neural net in this, um, uh, from a machine learning and uh, uh, computer-based um, perspective, is about um, turning uh, the the task that you're studying into um, a way of providing that as as inputs into a a neural network. That is then fed through layers of um, of nodes of uh, the neural network to produce an output at the other end. And the, the output can be compared to the idealized performance and the result the comparison between ideal and, and uh, achieved output is, is um, fed back into the neural network and the weights the connections between nodes on the network are adjusted to uh, see if uh, improve, uh, performance can be improved on with that new um, configuration and eventually through training the neural network you, you're able to take your inputs to produce um, the right kind of output from the network uh, so that's broadly how they work. Um, then the question was about um, what, what are the difficulties in that approach? And I think yeah. what, what, you, what is, is difficult to capture is if you've got a particular set of inputs, how did the network come to the decision that it produced a particular uh, output? Yeah. So, for instance, in, in mm-hmm. the, the, dri- the driving case, um, why did the vehicle choose to swerve left over swerving right? It might be quite um, difficult to um, understand through the um, design of the neural network um, that had made that decision why it chose to go left rather than going right. So there's a kind of black box um, nature to them where it's, it's quite hard to understand how a particular set of inputs led to a, a particular output.
0: Yeah, so, I mean... The one way I can exp- I explain it sometimes with the automated cars. Well, I mean, with any system like this is, if you have an implicit set of rules, then it will follow, follow those rules. So if it if it works out that it's going to crash, and I programmed it to always swerve left, then it will swerve left. Whereas within the machine learning, uh, the neural network um, situation, um, it. It goes through the network and it makes its decision at the end based on the inputs and you don't necessarily know what the rule effectively is at that point. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. rule uh, within that network at that specific time might be just swerve right in this situation. Um, but there's no big label saying we'll swerve right uh, given these inputs, which is uh, which I think is not necessarily an issue. But it becomes quite difficult in, like you say, this black box scenario. If there is an, an issue or a crash or something, and you're asking the system, you know, um, I see you swerved right. Um, that wasn't necessarily optimum, mainly because you know, in the real world, things change, and it's quite hard to simulate every eventuality. How can we see what um, the system was saying at that point? Uh, it, and it's quite hard to interrogate. Um, the rule set effectively of the
1: algorithm um and, and for for driving it, it would be impossible to do that you you, yeah. you couldn't program a vehicle to to know how to deal with every single combination of journey traffic conditions pedestrians weather um it, there's, there's essentially infinite variation so it has to be based on machine le- learning algorithms um so you're always stuck with that there that um Uh, uh, challenge in understanding why it chose a particular course of action.
0: Yeah, I mean if you, do you think there might be some sort of way to um, interrogate the action before it happens, so go, I'm going to turn right here because of this and and go and then use some sort of rule set to go, no, this isn't what we want you to do in this circumstance, go left. So So a combination of those two kind of implicit and and interactive yeah. learning, or rule sets, let's say.
1: What what we'll have is, um, you know, t- today a, a vehicle has to be type approved before it can be sold. So it goes through a number of regulatory tests to show that you know, the airbag goes off in the right way, it has the right kind of um, uh, occupant protection in, in the event of a collision. Mm-hmm. And as we move to the situation where the vehicle can be responsible for, con- for safe control, um, there will be additional tests that they have to go through. Some of them will be physical tests to make sure that the vehicle avoids hazards in the right um, manner. But some of them will be virtual tests because in order to um, go through all the range of different combinations of weather, road type, surface friction, all that, um, all those different um, parameters there could be, yeah. um, you would need to do that in a, in a virtual setting. So there, there might be a range of um, virtual tests that... Are um, given to the algorithms that control the particular model of vehicle, and we can look at how well it or how well it performs uh, in that um, standardised test set, which might be millions of different scenarios.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the ideal world, it would be millions because you don't want a particularly dogmatic system which you sent out and realise, you know, a couple of years down the road that. There's this particular instance that it always gets wrong, and you have lots of things always going wrong in that particular instance. You want it to, you want it to be as safe as possible, but then also carry on learning. I guess um, I would have thought. Would you agree?
1: Uh, I definitely agree, and that is happening now. So um, Tesla co- collecting data from their That's autopilot good. system yep. and updating the software based on on its performance.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, I think that's fantastic. Um, do you think there's any... Do you have any kind of reservations with AI and um, like Elon Musk and, and Stephen Hawkins, the kind of more um, super-intelligent or dangerous Terminator-style artificial intelligence that we might get to um, if we continue putting this much effort and energy into developing uh, be- bigger and better artificial intelligence?
1: So I I, I, I don't... Um... I don't think they the, the biggest concern I have is, is that it won't be um, kind of equitable, that there'll be a haves, haves and have-nots. You know, there there are, of course there are today, but um, I think that could be uh, you know, greatly exaggerated by um, you know, those who have access to these kinds of systems and those that don't, and um, that that could lead to greater kind of disparity uh, between um, uh, quality of life between different um, regions or populations, I think is probably the thing that that concerns me.
0: Right. So it's to do with um, the democratic use of of these technologies to open yeah. up to more people.
1: To 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 make the benefits shared more equitably, I think is is the way I'd phrase it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that drives us back to kind of the. Um, monopoly or or government based over uh, private and um, maybe more hidden kind of uh, research um, and, and and rewards I guess at the end of the day yeah which is which is again interesting um, I don't hold that AI is going to turn into Terminator and take us out but um, lots of people do so I think that's very interesting. And I'd like to talk to them about uh, why they think that is. I think it's probably a cultural artefact thing. The more we write about these things, the more we think about them, I guess, as well. Uh, And they they bleed through um, our thoughts, in the things that we do in science and and technology and research. Um, So I think we're going to pretty much leave it there with um, this podcast. Um, So thank you for your time. Uh, Nick Reed. Thanks, Ben. That's, that's been great. Thank you so much.